Yo, yo, what's up? Dash, what's up? Let me do my intro. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Chaos Therapy. I'm Lake Jordan. Obviously, here is one of my oldest homeboys, my boy Dex. I was on his show uh, last month, and he decided to jump on mine. That's a nice little surprise uh, episode. What's going on, brother? Good, man. Good, man. Glad to be here. I really appreciate you. Same, man. Same. Um, before we get into it, uh, tell us, tell the show about yourself. Uh, what you do. Go ahead, you know, give the intro. Yeah, well, uh, my name is Dex, man. I go by Visually Dex. Um, the reason for the Visually Dex is because I'm a videographer, photographer. Um, all things visual, man. It's a- yeah, something happened with the app. I don't know. Fuck it. Um, we'll just go from there. I'll add it in. So, uh, Dex, you were talking about you do uh, your visual creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're good, you're good. Yeah, my name is Dex. Um, um, the reason for Visually Dex, um, I go by Visually Dex because I am a videographer, photographer. Anything visual um, is super important to me. I, um, you know, grew my love from cinematography, watching movies. And um, ever since then, just dove deep into it. Been shooting music videos in Houston. I've uh, been shooting interviews over, over 10 years um, and have just been um you know appreciative of visual arts and and you know being able to like use your eye um to create content um that's visually pleasing appeasing to people um looking for it because obviously man uh, right now in this world you already know um how important content is and it's always been that way um but now that it's at our fingertips and now everybody can create content um it just i think it's super important for the culture um but yeah that's a little bit about me on a service level Appreciate you. Thank you, man. So what sparked this conversation is I have a bunch of homeboys that are in thriving, loving relationships. I have three that just within the past, like, three weeks that I found out, like, they proposed to a girl to get married and stuff like that. But on the inverse, I have a bunch of homegirls that are in the exact opposite. Like, not not to say the names, but like I I know a bunch of girls that just like they got with this dude who's like super fucking toxic, and they just keep like they go they hit they break up, but then they go right back to him. Yeah, and it's just like yo, and at some points like because people are like oh no, but they're such great girls like maybe, but are you great if you're constantly like once you start telling people how bad this person is and how much you don't like being with them, once you go back to them. Either you're lying to me or you're lying to them, but you lying to somebody. So right. it's like, I'm. I've always been trying to figure it out. I was like, yo, why do you keep going back to this shit? Like, what it's like? Well, people get lonely. Okay, like I get hungry. That doesn't mean I'm gonna go. Like, you're not so lonely. And the thing is, soon as it gets me, it's just like you have suitors that you know are better, at least better potentially than what the fuck you're dealing with. So yeah. if you want to be alone, that's cool. But if you are getting lonely. There are people that are out there that you know they're in your fucking DMs that are trying to at least put their bid in, but you keep turning them down to going back to that pain you know. It kind of feels like to me, people like there's there's clout in victimhood. There's a certain social cachet towards like if your girl's like, oh, I just keep finding these guys who are players and liars and cheaters. It's just like so you keep going back to this thing that doesn't make you happy, but you know 
you get to look like the better person if you keep going with these people who keep treating you wrong and no one's ever going to really hold you accountable because your homegirls aren't probably going to do it because they they may not give a fuck about you as much as you think or they claim and dudes are never going to really try to hold you accountable because they want to get in them cheeks. Well, I think females don't hold themselves accountable for their choices. Mm. You know what I mean? It's that princess mentality. It's that, uh, that Disney mentality mm. that Prince Charming is supposed to come around, you know? Um, and, and, and what are, what are these women's vetting process? You know what I mean? Like, how are they distinguishing what's a good man and what's not? You know what I mean? You got to think women are constantly being approached by guys. Like you said, mm-hmm. there are people in their DMS all the time and they're not giving them a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they choose the toxic guy. It's because that's their type or that's their, uh, that's the archetype they choose. Right. Right. And right. they're choosing wrong. They're not, they're choosing for the wrong de- reasons. Even men do that. You know, we, we'll go to the girl, with the biggest titties or the fattest ass or the, the most beautiful girl that we want to talk to and, and diss the home girl all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people just um, don't really know what they want until they get it, you know? Yeah. And then once they get it, because they haven't really experienced what they wanted, they fuck it up. You know what I mean? Um, that makes and they sense. don't know how to handle it because it's different than what they're used to choosing. Um, um, so, like, like for me personally, like, I think um, most importantly is when all of the the looks and all of the um, you know, whatever, whatever physically attracts you fades. Mm-hmm. How do you connect on a mental level? You know, do you love the same? Are you clingy and the person you're talking to, are they not clingy? You know, mm-hmm. um, because I think every man, no matter who they are, will choose to be in a relationship if the right person comes into their life. You know what I mean? Right. I don't, I think men want to be hoes like because it's, um, socially acceptable to be that way for guys. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also think that men would stop if they found somebody who has everything they need to offer, you know? Right. Uh, I think it's dope, like, to go around and, and be a hoe, right? Like, it's it's fun, you know? It's a fun it's a fun thing. It's yeah. like, you know, you don't have any responsibilities towards one individual. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to make somebody happy. You just have to um, be available at the right time for somebody. And I think that's the biggest issue is just that, you know, um, women choose what they want because of how many options they have. And they don't necessarily choose what they actually need um, to be in a, in a successful relationship. Um, yeah, I think, you, oh, go ahead. My bad. No, I'm saying, how do you feel about that? You think that's, that's kind of spot on? Or? I think when you talk about like just be, men being hoes, I think it, it akins to streetball players plus, plus niggas in the NBA. <laughs> And that's just kind of what it is. Like, if you really think about it, like, to for guys, like, when you're talking about, like, guys go for the girls with biggest cities, fattest ass, cute face, like, but we know if my guy, if our, we've all been in a situation where it's like, yo, this girl is not good for us, but she's letting us crack and there's not a lot of other options coming down the pipe. So um, until it's like to the point where, like, she's like seriously fucking up shit, your yeah. boys will be like, all right, cool, but like, oh, hey, I'm coming out, bro. All right, are you bringing your girl? No, cool. If she's like, oh fuck, and that's still your boy, but you know why he's with her. I've been in situations like that. Yeah. Like, even in OA, my boy's like, oh, bro, don't bring this bitch. Like, dude, why are you bringing? She's just gonna ruin everything. Like, and it didn't get bad to like to where she was like cock blocking my dudes, 
She's like, bro, if you do not stop, if this girl can never come over again, or else you're getting kicked out the fucking house. She never set foot in the fucking, um, in the in the fucking crib again. So just like a kid, like there's no dedic, there's not a lot of real dedication and professionalism and try hardness in street ball. Like you can be like hot sauce is a fucking legend street ball. Pee Wee Kirk's legend in street ball. Like we know niggas that are like legends in the street ball game will get washed in the NBA because in a relationship, at least a productive one, there's certain things you can't do. Like you can't just dribble the fucking ball air out the ball. You can't just go me, 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 especially if you're fucking five eleven. But yeah. like in and and I think it's a lot like in poly relationships, there's not as much um there's not as not as there's a lot of risk, but there's not as much responsibility because you're essentially trying to form up the Avengers. Like, well, I like this girl and she gives me X, Y, Z. And I like this other girl. She gives me A, B, C, and D. But like, my nigga, you're trying to like, if you really want to have a, produ- a productive relationship, you're going to have to try to find X, Y, Z in the A, B, C, D girl and A, B, C, D in the X, Y, Z girls. But like, if you don't, that's cool, but you're going to be stuck in this limbo of not having anything grow into something that's permanent because everybody's poly till a kid pops up. Now, well, what? let me ask, let me ask you a question. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think when we talk poly, we talk um, like, well, most people, when they talk poly, if they, if you are of that lifestyle, right. Yeah. Because it takes, it takes a different type of individual to be in that lifestyle. Right. You know what I mean? people are mostly selfish they want what's theirs they want to keep what's theirs they want what's theirs to themselves if you're of that lifestyle i don't really think that most of that is an issue even if a kid pops up right Mm -hmm. i think in a poly relationship people are doing it not necessarily for the sexual freedom right Mm. um they're doing it more for the community of, of being in a poly relationship that makes sense you know what i mean like you you bring you bring you bring more um, streams of income into a household. Um, you know, you 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 understand that hey, I can have relationships outside of my relationship, or it or bring those relationships together, and um, you know we could be fruitful together. You know, it's it's a community thing. It's kind of like having a group of friends that go out every other weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you have barbecues and you bring you know you bring the kids together. Um, and, and, and not being like held down. I, I don't, I think a lot of people think of Polly as like, oh, I can have my cake and eat it too. And it, and it, and it be up front. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Or w- what's the phrase now that everybody uses? It's like, uh, um, you're not a player unless you tell the truth. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So I don't think it's that. And I think a lot of people try to put that on that because they don't really understand the lifestyle that is Polly because they're not of that lifestyle. So they put their own stigma and their own perspective based off of, what their actual preference is mm. on poly. So it's like, yo, if you're not in, if you're not of poly um, re- uh, relationships, you're not part of that lifestyle, you can't really tell people who are poly how to be poly, you know? Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, I think, I think in, in every situation it's different, right? Like if I'm um, in a non-monogamous, um, you know, a, uh, um, not not just a non-monogamous relationship, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm up front. I have somebody else I'm talking to. You should know. You're not a part of it. That's that's not poly. You know, non-monogamous relationships are very popular um, 
on west on the west coast and in bigger cities, right? Right. Where it's like, yo, I'm upfront the fact that I have other relationships. Um, you know, and it, it's a it's a hard pill to swallow if you're not if you're not about that lifestyle, you you're not gonna be able to understand it. You know what I mean? Um so yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of my thought about that. Um, For me, and I think it all depends on what you're trying to do or what yeah. if you've already accomplished a lot. Like if you're someone that's already built up a life to where you really don't, and it's not even a financial thing. It's just like like yo, I'm I'm good. Like I can kind of entertain whoever. Like people are not want to say I don't want to say people are interchangeable, but it's like for me, like. If I'm, I was told this as an old adage, like if you're trying to do build something great, you either need to deal with one woman or zero women. Yeah. Because trying to entertain a lot is going to take a lot of other energy. Like trying to have a rotation, unless it's to the point where they're just coming to you, there's, it's different. But most people can't juggle that all like that. Well, I would say, yeah. I mean, that's one of the big benefits of being in a relationship, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's because you can focus on everything else. Because when you are talking about juggling women, yeah, that's like eighty percent of your mind right there. You're like, that's yo, I gotta, you know what I mean? But when you are in a relationship, you just have one woman, your career and your hobbies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you have a kid, a kid, right? Right. So, so it, it's a lot easier in my sense, and it's a lot more logical in a sense if you're trying to. Uh, you know, if you're focused on on being, you know, fruitful in, in, in your life, right? And being able to be able to concentrate on other things in your life. And that's a benefit of for being in a monogamous relationship. And, and, yo, I wanted to touch on one thing, too, that we were just talking about, too, about your homegirls, right? Imagine mm-hmm. your homegirls. Um, American women are very much like this, in a sense, right? Mm. So if you go into a store, right? Right. And say you go to Best Buy and you're looking for a particular thing, right? Maybe you're looking for an iPhone case, you know, and you're looking mm-hmm. for a certain color, right? And the 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 representative at um, Best Buy is trying to sell you an Android case, saying, "Hey, look, I know you, this won't fit, but yo, this I, this Android case has all these features." That's what most American women do when they're selling themselves to men in general. They're not giving men, um, they're not giving men what they're looking to buy. They're giving men what they have to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I go into your store and you're like, yo, I'm this woman, take it or leave it. And that's what most American women are doing. And men aren't men aren't like falling for that shit anymore. You know what I mean? They're not falling for that. I think a lot too is that like the one thing too that stops a lot of is it's got we're slaves to our urges. True. That's just that's just facts. Like we more than I think any other because if you, and I'm saying this is based off of data when you think of relationships as far as a gay men, hetero relationship, gay women. There's no such thing as gay men bed death. There's a thing called lesbian bed death. Where they're no longer dating, they're just homies. <laughs> like that's just the like, and as they get like, if you see older lesbian couples, like that's kind of what happens. Like both of the, like both of their libidos just drop, and they're just you know, Pam and Stephanie hanging out, being besties. And so it's like, but, and so for for us, like we're 
mo and most dudes just like they don't have and the trip one one of my homegirls out. I was like, bro, most men, like most men have less than five female uh sex partners. And then in life. And she's like, no, it has to be way more than that. I'm like, you're thinking about the guys you would fuck. You're thinking about the guys that you have fucked. You're not thinking about the guys that you fucking ignore. That super big dude that's on the fucking rascal in Walmart, you're not fucking him. Guess what? No one else is. His right. life is you, very sex free. So like, you gotta think you gotta think about it like on a on a, on a nature form, right? So like mm-hmm. bare bones, basic, no civility, right? Because mm-hmm. civility is what's changed a lot of things, you know, and, and have made people popular. So you gotta think about it like this. In prehistoric or like caveman era, right? And you know, I'm not trying to bring a, a, a debate on like evolution or you know what no, I mean. No, no, like you're that. good, you're good. <laughs> But I'm just saying, if you think about the caveman era, it was the strongest man. The strongest man might not have been the smartest man. The guy who was capturing all the fucking woolly mammoths, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, tackling saber tooths by their their freaking um, teeth, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, those were the most desirable men. Those were the men that were soiling their royal oats in every woman in the tribe, you know what I mean? Right. Every woman. There was not one woman they didn't... He, if he didn't want to have sex with her, he didn't have to. You know what I mean? And... You know, the skinny dude uh, who's picking berries besides Linda isn't getting shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he's the less des- he's the less desirable male. So, like, you're right. You're right. There's some men that don't get that many sexual partners in their life. And, you know, um, 100%. And, it, and that's just, like, how it is now. Now, civility changed. Now it's the guy with the most money or the guy with the most intelligence to be able to gain resources. Yeah. Now it's still a, it's still the same thing. It's a survival instinct, right? Women right. Um, tend to want to be, and this is you know, all all feminism aside, um, that's a whole different conversation. But um, you know, women are going to uh, heterosexual women are going to go for the guy who has the most resources and can offer them the most. But that I guy might not be the. No, go ahead. Guy, my bad. That guy might not be the best guy for you. That might that, that guy might be that toxic individual that you keep going back to because they have resources. It, and, and I think a lot of it too is that when you think of studs, like butch lesbians dress like niggas. It's like it's a different form of and and, and I'm not saying mimicry in a battle because growing up you all that's my fault. No problem. Uh, Damn, we was getting into it, man. Yeah. So um, fuck it. I think where I left off. So, okay, so yeah, I think the when we talk about the accountability too, it's like people have to want to be better. Yeah, but I also think like the the clout of relationships now, like people really want to look good in these pictures on the holidays. Like people really want to look dope on vacations. Yeah. Everything that we do is socially monetized. That's just something my kids came up with because you're trying to get cachet off of it like your christmas present your aunt all in your your thanksgiving like nothing matters unless you're taking pictures with that person who you think other people will think are cute right the va- you got you need validation through your relationship yeah yo you know another thing too is um i think i think um a lot of the issues that your your homegirls are having is men don't actually respect them enough to slow down and take them seriously yeah, you know what I mean. If you respect a woman enough, you'll stop. You'll stop being a hoe. You'll stop messing with other chicks, and you'll put everything down and do what you have to do 
to make sure that that woman feels good and secure about you being in a relationship. Another thing, too, is these women, they have to feel comfortable in those relationships. You know what I mean? Right. Like, stop. Stop just, like, guessing that this guy's going to do whatever they got to do because of your um, 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 your privilege, right, to, for being a woman. And don't think that you're, um, you know, excused from somebody cheating on you or, or, or being toxic towards you or not respecting you in a relationship. That's another thing, too, man. These women have a lot of privilege. You know what I mean? Because we're the hunters, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to think about it like this. Men have to go and approach women to get them. And women choose if that's that's the one they want to be with. So it's it's an it's an ultimate double set double sided uh, accountability sword. You know what I mean? Right. So men in general. Right. If you're hunting. You're hunting for sport. Right. Mm -hmm. You might catch a small fish that you don't like. You try to throw it back in the water. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The reason why we jump into these relationships or these situationships is because that fish keeps coming back i keep catching right. the same fish over and over again i can't i can't i i lost the amount of room and space to go fish you know and, and hunt and that's huge that's huge yo. so like sometimes you got a fish that's easily available and you don't want it because it's so easy for you to get you know and you lose interest quickly and I think the I think what a lot of women do is once they figure out, yo, this dude got a nice boat, you know what I'm saying? You know, he got a nice boat. His, you know, I wanna I wanna be on that boat with him, Bro. and then and then you mad because like he's he still got the boat. That's how he caught you in the mm -hmm. first place. You know what I mean? So, a lot of women just have to realize, like, look, man, you gotta as the same way the man is hunting for you, you gotta make it hard for them to catch you because that's gonna make you more desirable. Nobody wants to catch the six-inch uh, bass. They want the fucking 150-pound marlin. You know what I mean? I, I I get it, but I also where convenience is a plus. Oh, yeah. I like, if she's being hard to get just for sakes of being hard to get, I'm just going to assume she doesn't like me and move on. But like, I I think it's like there's there's a like it's a push and pull like if there's some gravi gravitational like oh cool we're actually rocking and the vibe is dope but just to like if you want me and then not acting like you don't just to kind of like play like we're grown we're past all that right. we're not teenagers like yo is there something that we can build and i think the thing is too guys respect someone that they can see a future with that actually doesn't mind planning for the future the whole ah we're just kicking it see now it goes and it's undefined. Now, if you're undefined, that's cool. And keep it like that. But once he starts knocking the bottom out of it and you start catching feelings because he's giving you that good, that act right, then it's like, oh, so what are we? Well, you just said we we're just kicking it. So I'm moving by your parameters. Are we going to move it more? Like, are we are we going to move towards something else? And I think what happens is, too, uh, one of my homegirls, and it's so funny, you, you can kind of tell when they've been through some shit. It's like, she's like, she posted like, well, if, if you're not talking to me the right kind of way, if you're being disrespectful, if you're talking over me, all this other shit, like, you're just going to be out of my life. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, bitch, that's not you. Like, that's not you at all. Like, I know you. I wish you would be like that, but you're not like that because you're still going to have the same meth head dude in your crib whenever you get the urge. Like, 
So I'm glad that you're saying this shit. And but in 24 hours, this fucking Snapchat is going to be deleted, and you're not going to have that. You're going to be feeding. So it's like it, it's kind of hard to hold people to shit when they don't even hold themselves. That people do a lot of fucking flexing for no fucking reason. Like, don't make definite statements on things. Don't make definitive statements on things that you're wishy-washy on. Like, I I would never say I hate cheese. I just don't eat it. Like, I'm not going to talk bad about cheese. Like, oh, cheese is all bad for you and all this other shit. Like, I hate it. I hate the taste. And then you see me eating a fucking pizza and some Cheetos. Like, nigga, I thought you said you hated cheese. Well, you know, it's like, oh, nigga, I can't take you seriously. Like, you're, you're making a definitive statement on something that, one, you're volunteering this information. No one asked you to make this fucking post about you no longer dealing with people who treat you bad. I was with you for months, and I saw people continually treat you bad, and you just ate that shit. So no, you, like, you, that's not you're right. right. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Like, um, you gotta you gotta think, man. Like, you know, like like you said, like all that that accountability comes in there too. You know, so you have to hold yourself accountable accountable for your your standards and the in the way that you approach or or that you vet men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um. A lot, a lot of women, like you said, like like earlier, um, they get lonely. You know what I'm saying? So that's why they go back to something that's familiar, you know. And you see it a thousand times. You know, you have you have exes that come back. You know what I mean? And you don't know why. When honestly, they 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 kind of realize something in a certain situation that they liked and they and they need they need that sense of familiarity between the person that they were talking to, even if they are a method that treats them bad. You know what I'm saying? But they have a sense of familiarity with them. You know what I mean? So that familiarity is, is, is huge with them. And, um, you know, and you got to think, man, the dating pool is huge. You can, you can talk to whoever you want to, if Mm -hmm. you're that type of woman. But I think, um, sometimes, uh, the reason why men treat women with disrespect is based off of, um, you know, how, how do you hold yourself as a woman, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Women are very, like I said, privileged. I've been saying privilege is huge with women because they have a piece of equipment that men want to be involved with. You know what I mean? Facts. And we will do a lot. Niggas will shoot their own daddy and get some pussy. Do whatever, yo. You know what I'm saying? And um, (laughs) you said shoot your dad. (laughs) But uh, they'll do a lot to get it, bro. And um, I think, obviously, if you look at things that we do, right? If you look at how men operate, um, that likability function has to be there. You know, you play video games. Yeah. You know, you always want the newest video game that's coming out because of the packaging, Um, the whole uh, presentation of what it's going to how it's going to make your life better or how it's going to make your gaming experience better. Right. Mm -hmm. I think women, because they have that privilege of having a pussy that they forget about the package that it comes in. You know, they they don't work on their personality. They don't they don't work on the way they entertain men. They don't work on the way they they treat men. And men were like, yo, if that's all you have to offer, then that's all I'm going to give you. You know? Yeah. And and you got to think about it. Like, in if you're a, a highly desired man, you're a highly valued man. Maybe you have a nice car, a crib. You got you got your shit put together. Women tend to. In full attack mode, throw their pussy at those guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Throw those pussies at the at the, the the strong dude that can fucking tackle a a woolly mammoth. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like 
they throw it at him in attack mode because they know that's what's going to reel him in, you know? And without having a, 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 a strong foundation of who they are as an individual and having hobbies and having traits and having um, likable features about them. And, and, and that's why men just like decide that they don't want to be with these women or they don't want to treat these women like they want to be treated. It's, 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 it's a, yeah, it's like a, I'm getting the milk for free. Like, why buy the fuck it? Like, yeah. you're right. And it's just it's like, oh, you ain't bout shit. I think that's what it kind of it, it goes into. It's like, you ain't bout shit. Right. It's, and, and I think most of my homeboys, when they just kind of deal with chicks a certain way, not that they're abusive or anything, but just like, they, because they're about shit, they're going to be like, all right, the convenience of me fucking is cool and I'll deal with it. But like, I'm not finna build with her because she ain't bout shit. Like, right. It's kind of like, like, I'll have a homeboy who's like, bro, if her car is mad dirty, if her room is mad dirty, oh, I'm just going to fuck. But I'm not making you my girl, and I'm not letting you stay in my crib, because those things are going to fucking carry over. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to think, man, you got to be compatible in the way you do shit. You know what I mean? If you got a girl that's super clean and you're a dirty dude, it's the same thing. She's not going to like that shit. Let me ask you a question. Some of those guys that you were talking about that want to get married, mm-hmm. what is what are the big qualities that they have like vocalized to you about the women that they want to get into those relationships with? Peace. Ooh. I think in 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 their version of peace and my version of peace are two totally different things. Um, but like peace being most of those dudes are in the entertainment industry. One of my homeboys is a photographer and he has a budding building business on that. And he's also like an HVAC, uh, like he works with HVAC people. Like he's he's got a lot going on. So we need someone to be supportive and just be peaceful. My other homeboy, he's an MC, like going in, going to Europe, going to South America, being at a club MC and doing shit like that. And then I have another homeboy who's a DJ. And so I've seen them be with women that like the trappings of being with of, of a person of of that, I don't want to say stature, but of that occupation or those occupations. And it got stressful. Like, I've seen a million times, like, girls who date DJs, and then they become a part of the life, and then everything turns into a clout fest. It's like, yo, I don't want to go out. Well, let's go out because, like, yo, I go out every night to work. Like, I don't want to, if it's a night where I don't have to work, I want to fucking kick it at the crib and chill, yeah. get some wings, watch the fucking TV and veg the fuck out. I don't want to have to be on the scene all the time. And that's the one thing when I got married, I was happy. I told my wife, that's like, look, this is what I do. I'm going to be out, but I want to, I like kicking it. Like there's going to be days like, look, let's just drive to fucking Lancaster and walk around River Valley because I don't want to go someplace. I don't want to be at East Center campus and I have to be on, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so with my homeboys that are in that, that were in that situation, they like, the, the ability to just not have to be on the scene and not have to play this character all the fucking time. Right. That's 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 definitely an interesting thing, man. I think for me, in order to like lock me down, um it would it would definitely be peace. It would ha- it would ha- like it there can't be too much friction, you know? And you're supposed to have some friction, right? Right. Um eventually, but I need it to be meaningful friction. Like, yo, put me in check if I'm doing something wrong. Or, yo, this is something that we need to get past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I I would honestly, like, I would honestly say, like, at this point in my life, I did not want to be in a relationship. I did not want to 
um, you know, be locked down, right? But the only thing that could lock me down is peace, like you just said, you know what I mean? Um, being able to be myself, you know, being able to enjoy somebody else's company without feeling, you know, I don't know, like without feeling any pressure about it, you know? So yeah, hundred percent peace, hundred percent. I think when, like I said, that whole thing about women giving you something that they have to offer, you know what I mean, and not necessarily what you're trying to buy, mm-hmm. is 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 going to be huge in that peace form, you know. Yeah. Like if you, like I said, if you want to sit around the crib and chill, binge, eat wings, watch TV, on uh, and and spend that time that way, and she's like, yo, you know. Yo, I, I'm adding pressure on you to do this or do that. I need to go out every weekend. We need to eat at fancy restaurants. We need to do this. You know what I mean? Unless that's your forte. If you like fancy restaurants and that's what you like to do, that's gonna be that's gonna be too much friction, you know, for a guy to want to be around too much. You know? Yeah. I, I, you're right, and I think a lot of it too is like one of my things. It's like if people who like talking about money but only are thinking of like quick money schemes to get it. And I, and they only talk about money about, and it's like the trappings of money. Like I'm like opulence is a huge thing that I hate. Like I do not like it. Like I don't like the pursuit of just having fancy things. Like we talked about this. So it's like, I'm not going to date a girl that's like, oh, I want to go to Turks and Caicos. I have no reason to fucking Turks and Caicos. I, not that I don't like the ocean, but like, like sit, like sit on a beach and do what? Are we playing beach soccer? Are we playing beach golf? What are we doing at this fucking beach? Oh, we're just sitting there getting drunk and looking at the ocean. We can do that at the fucking crib, and I can put on fucking Google images, and we can go to every goddamn yeah. fucking beach. Like that's where I'm at. Like a mountain, cool, because at least you're fucking hiking. Like we're yeah. going on a trail, go off road, something. But just to sit on a beach in the sand to look and take pictures the fuck like i'd rather be spending that time learning like doing anything else than watching the water version of what of watching grass grow yeah i mean i will be honest with you i am very big on travel travel's cool beach though i i I love beaches but i'm a swimmer i'm gonna hop in that water bro you know that's cool too yeah i'm gonna hop in that water i'm gonna you know what what, boogie board whatever you call it maybe surf i don't know i don't know how to surf but i it's something I would learn if if I was on the water too long and I had anything else to do, right? Right. Um, so yeah, hundred percent, I get that. Like, um, but you got to understand, like, um, not only is our piece important, but their piece is important as well. True. And yeah, so like, if that's what they want to do, if they just want to relax on a beach, um, I, I I would I would try to get their perspective on it to make it make sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or drive some sense out of what they like. They like, and that's that's another thing about being a man. You you know. Um, is to be able to drive that, um, uh, drive the relationship and and push perspectives on them mm-hmm. to think to think differently about how they travel. So next time you travel, it's like, yo, I want to go on the beach for a couple hours, but yo, you're right, we need to go hiking um, up the mountain on the side of the beach, or we need to we need to get on a boat. You know what I'm saying? Or we need to do this. You know what I'm saying? Whatever whatever activity th- to have them think differently, and that's that's kind of your responsibility as the leader in your relationship is to to push the narrative a little bit to, to, to make that piece uh, work on both ends. And then not only that, like you, you got to understand these, these women or these people that you meet come from different backgrounds and different perspectives and they have different ideas on things. 
So in order to come together and, and figure things out, it's definitely a big leadership role to influence um, meaning behind what whatever you guys are doing, you know, especially if that's that's your forte and that's what you that you're always seeking to find meaning out of the things that you're doing. And um, yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. Like, because my thing is like, and you're right, it's like to go just to go to a place and be like, hey, I just want to see this beach. That to me is weird. But like yeah. to go like, hey, while we're there, we can go hiking. We can go look at this nature preserve. We can do other shit while we're in Turks and Caicos. <coughs> Excuse me. But if it's literally just a, like, again, like if I'm going to be inactive, give me a fucking controller. Right. I think um, when it goes back to it, I think the compatibility because we're, we're visual creatures and it's and it's hard to get out of that because if you've never been in a situation where anyone's held you accountable in a relationship or even in a friendship, that's going to seem, oh, it's going to seem like disrespect. And I think a lot of it is it's the tone that people take too. Yeah. Like a lot of people just like, they have to learn how to talk to people. And that's just something that you got to learn as you grow up and you have to see people do that. Like being a great orator is not something you just are born into. You you kind of pick that up through experiences, right? Yeah, you have to be taught. You have to watch other great orators. Like in order to become a really good storyteller, you have to watch a really good storyteller. Like kind of figure out how they set up a story, how they keep people interested, interested in everything else. Um, but what I will say is, just a lot of interesting events have happened. Uh, in the past week um, with Roe v. Wade getting overturned um, and then the shooting that just happened in Highland, uh, Highland Park, Illinois and the murder of uh, a brother in, I forget his name. I feel bad. It's an Akron. It's an Akron. And it's funny because not funny, but the part of the tragedy is they shot this man. They shot at him 90 times. They yeah. hit him 60. The dude who shot a bunch of people in a parade arrested without incident. It was like, yeah. someone make that shit make sense. No, 100%, bro. Like, um, I, it's, a, it's a respect factor, yo. It's a lot, of, a lot of people just don't respect certain groups of individuals, you know? Um, and, and it's not only that. It's like, look, yo, uh, I, I, I was always talked about, I always talk about how, like, the Civil Rights Movement was and and how... You got to think about how America was taken, right? Mm -hmm. It was it was purely violent, you know, mm -hmm. um, and they expect us to protest. They expect us to do all this, um, you know, peaceful um, bargaining. You know, I call it bargaining because we're basically begging uh, for them to change their opinion on something, right. or we're begging. You know what I mean? And and not not to put down protesting or say it's 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 a bad thing to do, but honestly, it kind of sucks that it has to get down to that. Now, if we were militant and we um, were as violent as our our, far, our founding fathers of this country, mm -hmm. um, we would be looked at as terrorists, right? Yeah. Or something extremely negative. But this is how the country was founded. And I think, I think um, if you look at the supreme leaders of this country, it's, it's white men, right? Right. So white men... Um, whether you like it or not, if something bad happens to a white man um, and let the white man have some sort of, um, you know, um, I guess, status in anything like, you know what I mean? Um, 
So you you do something negative to a, a white man, you rob, say you rob a white man by gunpoint, you're, they're going to throw the book at you. Whereas if you rob your own kind, if you rob a black person or a, a Latino or, you know, a poor Asian family, you're not going to you're not going to really have that much. It's like, yo, like they're OK with it. They throw right. less time at you. They're still going to lock you up because it's important to lock lock you up. But um, and that's why um, the militant part that founded America isn't implemented in um in those protests or, you know, that's why it has to be a protest and it can't be an all out war, you know, mm-hmm. um, it can't be a civil war based off of, Hey, this is, this is the only way we're going to get our freedoms is by, you know, taking it, taking our freedom. You know what I mean? And this is very, I probably shouldn't even be talking like this. They probably gonna send somebody to my crib or something. You know what I mean? But hundred um, percent that, 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 that is the right way to go about things because that was the way that they understand because that's the way that, they acquired land and they acquired wealth was from stealing it and taking right. it, you know, and, and pillaging, you know? So that, that's my whole thought process on everything in general. And I think, I think for a lot of people would disagree um, because it's a dangerous thing. You got to have, you, you got to be able to not have, you know, you, when you go into these situations where you're trying to take something um, back, whether it's your freedom or, or just to be accepted amongst a group of people, it's fear, bro. Yeah. Fear is what keeps us like hidden. You know what I'm saying? Fear, fear is what keeps us behind, and fear is what's what keeps people ahead as well. If they're able to instill that fear into you, so yeah, I think a lot of these shootings are very scary for black people, and I think um, a lot of these um, these overturned rules and 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 delegations, you know, Roe versus Wade, right? Mm-hmm. is a way of saying hey it doesn't matter what a group of individuals thinks we can do whatever we want because we are um the supreme rulers of this country you know what i mean and um a lot of people want to talk about democracy man and it's very it's democracy is the the shell of what's actually happened behind um the government you know mm-hmm. i think i think the government just uses it as a way of validating whatever they want to do you know and saying, hey, yeah, well, the reason why this was worked, because it was voted into into place. But then you got to look at the population. You right. know what I mean? What's the majority of the population? And then you got to look at, hey, why? Why Roe versus Wade? What are your what is your um, ideas on why you think this this law was was overturned and put into place? I have a few working theories. First off, I think they did it because the demographic that it mostly affects they don't want to go to jail. <clears throat> and what I'm saying is they don't want to go to jail. They don't want to die. They don't want to lose their livelihood or lose social cachet. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about in the 50s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, basically since niggas been here and trying to fight for our fucking freedoms, we, everyone knew what the sacrifice was. Everyone, like Dr. King knew, like, yo, when like the sit-ins in North Carolina and any place, the uh, Montgomery bus boy got like everything. All these marches, we knew, like they knew, Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, they all knew we may go to jail. Like we're probably going to go to jail. But because everybody was in the muck, everybody was in, in, in the mud and, and, and at the bottom, it wasn't that big of a sacrifice because we're all going to jail. If it's mm. me, you, uh, your homeboy, like there's six of us and we're protesting and they lock us all up, all six of us in the same muck. 
you know what I'm saying? It's that sacrifice. They right. knew the sack, like the, the great, like even Martin Luther King Jr. was like, yo, I'm not going to get to the promised land with you. Meaning, I'm going to get murdered. These crackers going to kill me. But I'm still going to be out here fighting because this is what's right. Right. I'm going to do what's needed in, uh, for us to move forward. Like Nelson Mandela, this man spent 27 years in a South African prison just because he was protesting apartheid. My brother in Christ. The prison he was in was guarded by sharks. Even if you escape, you're going to be some fish's lunch. Like that's a that's a you knew you're going to be tortured and beaten and your reputation ran through the mud. But at the end, if you can come through the end of it, because and he wasn't the only person in those prisons. There's a lot of brothers in there that died. There's a lot of brothers that came out super fucked up from PTSD, but they still made that sacrifice. They the government knew, look, we're going to do this shit. We're even going to have this shit rock out on a fucking Friday. Nothing. Like, even in Columbus, they did a, a nice little protest, held up some really nice signs at the Capitol building on a Saturday where no one's fucking there. They made nothing shape, like nothing. They just went, sang some songs, had some get your hands off my audience, like a lot of a lot of social shit. Bro, you know what the fuck these same chicks are doing this weekend on a boat? Yeah. That patriarchy was real nice when you got that Casamigos on a boat. Like, like so it's like they and it's not that and it, I don't want Roby Wade to I want every woman to have the right to choose. It's not my decision to fucking make. Right. I can kind of influence in some way, shape, or form, but at the end of the day, that's between her and her alone and in, in, in a sense. But like they do they weren't gonna do shit. Like, bro, when that brother got shot in Akron, they shut down the city all July 4th weekend. They shut it the fuck down. There was no games. There was no parades. There was no fireworks. And at nothing. Akron was like, yo, this shit's going to be really bad if we try to continue on. Because they, at least with black people, they know if we do some foul shit, there may be some infrastructure fucked up. There's going to be some insurance payments that are going to have to fucking go out. Someone's going to get cracked upside their motherfucking head. But when they did this shit with Roe v. Wade, they knew who was who was and wasn't going to do shit. All these girls are like, oh, it's going to be right, girl, summer. No, the fuck it ain't. You can't fight, my G. You, not the fact that you can't fight. You aren't willing to fight. You aren't willing to go to jail for your beliefs. You aren't willing to die for your beliefs. But I'm supposed to expect you and to be, uh, or I'm supposed to be shocked that you're not going to start the revolution? Get the fuck out of here, bro. That's not your thing. You are not about that life. You, wanna, you like the social cachet more than the actual revolution. You don't want to get punched in the face. They start letting off pepper spray. You are fucking running, which you should, but you ain't coming back the next day. Let Heather, Marissa, and Brittany, and Ashley, and Samantha go out there and two of them hoes get their head cracked by the cops. Bet you the mother three ain't coming back. Because you don't give up. Like, you care, but you don't care. Because, and I'm saying this because based on the parameters and the and the voltage that you're given, if you if you read the shit that they're putting online, you think they got Molotovs ready to go at fucking Amy Coney Barrett's house. They finna string up Clarence Thomas, that whole ass nigga. They're not. They're not. So it's like I can't I can't believe you when you say you want a revolution because seven days after they cut that shit off. You went to partying on a fucking boat, eating ribs and brats and and fucking other glizzies. And that's great. That's cool. I dig it. I did the same shit. I got me some ribs. I ate me a couple glizzies. 
had to dodge the AOs. You know what I'm saying? I'm with hey, you. AOs. Yeah. And fam, I said this to my, my homeboy Mike. I was like, fam, if I hope nothing happens between the release of NSA Football 2023-2024 because niggas going to be mad at me because I'm being the crib. Like, look, we can handle this shit in a week. I got to start my dynasty. I've been waiting <laughs> fucking 10 years to play this fucking game. Y'all niggas going to be mad at me. We can do this shit later. So I get it. Like, the inconvenience of being a martyr is very inconvenient. Pretty sure Joan of Arc did not like getting fucking flambéed at the stake and then having everything get fucking shat- shouted at. But, like, what are you willing to fucking sacrifice for the revolution that you say you want? And right. they know that these women are not willing to do that shit. And it sucks. But, like, yeah. they're getting that man, like, oh, we need men to stand up and fight. Hold on. Do you think I'm finna go to jail for pussy? I'm not fucking. The only woman that I'm go- the only woman that I'm going willing to go to jail for are in my direct bloodline. And by direct, I mean sister, mama, grandmama, a couple choice aunts, and my daughters. Homegirls, hey, I put money on your books. I'll come visit. I'll send you some stamps. I'll write. But I'm not finna go to jail for you over a revolution you're afraid to get locked up for. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, how about your theories on behind it? Like, like, oh, yeah, my fault. Um, I think what they're trying to do is keep a consistent poor class. Um, they need people who are, uh, in dire straits because you'll take shitty jobs and you won't make a fuss because you need that job. And so when you should be making fucking $17 an hour at this job and you're only making fucking 11. They'll they'll keep it. You you'll do that because you're and you'll work a lot of long hours because um you need that job in that area. I also think it's a way to bolster military um enlistment because most of the people that are joining the military aren't enlisted because they love America. They're doing it because I can get a fucking Hellcat or a, like or a fucking Camaro. Like they're doing it because there's there's financial benefits to it. Now, do they grow into the patriotism and they and they have, or at least a love for the people that they're serving with? That makes sense. But it's like you need like and that's just two of them. You need enlistment, you need poor people. And but I also think there's white folk that are really afraid that there's gonna be less white folk. Yeah. That's those are my that's my working theory. That's what that was my big one. A lot of people say, Yeah, you know, abortion clinics are mostly in, in, in you know poor communities. I was like, and you know, and they they always pull that, you know, well, well, you know, African Americans and Latinos are, are the the biggest ones that are 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 having abortions, but you got to understand, like, um, you know, civil, civil like civil rights era, like whites made up seventy seven percent of America. Now that now they're around a cool sixty percent, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that that was my biggest one. It's just like, yo, you know, um, they need white folk. Oh, because right, and believe, then, uh, rich then, white folks are gonna get abortions, right? But I was thinking another thing too is um on a on a on a on a deeper deeper note and a deeper deeper level, mm-hmm. it's like hey like no you know adoptions, adoptions are going to be huge you know you're going to be putting up your kids for adoptions, um and obviously um what, what's what's really big is, and a lot of people don't talk about how many kidnappings have happened in the nice. last you know certain amount of time the kidnappings were based off of like you know um you know human trafficking you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um. 
organ trafficking. You know what I mean? Things like that. Um, Ooh. Where you get you get that adoption, you can do you can do a lot of things with with kids that people don't want. You know. That makes sense. Yeah. So like that's another that's another perspective that I thought of. I don't think I've heard anybody talk about it. I haven't, but it may. It, if you really think about it, it it really does make sense. Like human trafficking, the sense of sex trafficking or organ trafficking and stuff like that. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and because it's not about and it's and people try to make it oh it's about babies get to live. You motherfuckers don't give a shit about them babies. If you didn't, no. the laws for maternity and paternity leave would be a lot better if you actually wanted people to have babies and raise them. The child tax credit would be a lot better for people who needed that are going to be raising these children. There'd be better social programs. There'd be better fucking schools. You do something about gun control where all these kids get born and they get fucking popped at. Like, right. stop it. Stop it. Like, them motherfuckers is lying too because they don't give a fuck. Like, oh no, well, you know, well, people, they can just have the baby and set up for adoption. Do you know how many kids sit in fucking foster care? Like, do you know how many kids get like fucking just get sent and then they get aged out of the system? And then right. they get, and there's another thing you lock them up. You need people to keep these prisons full. That's true. Because, especially if you're born broke and you have no other fucking option other than the military or fucking serving packs, you're probably going to fucking serve packs because it's the most convenient. You're probably going to rob a nigga because it, that nigga looks like lunch. And with all the fucking guns that we have, two broke motherfuckers kill each other. Guess what? They don't need a place to stay, so apartments open up. It's it, people talk about population control. That literally is controlling the population. It's not about controlling who's born and, and who lives and who dies. It's literally about controlling the population. Yeah. Stoplights and stop signs and traffic and highways are a form of population control. If you think about that, they're literally controlling where the fuck you can drive. You can drive on a median at two seventy, but you're gonna get a fucking ticket. So it's like, right. I don't. I, it is, it's very nefarious and I think it's going to continue. Do I think they're going to try to push back marriage equality? I think unless gay folks are willing, I think gay people are more likely to get it popping for that than women are to get their reproductive rights back. Right. Because Stonewall, Stonewall, as much as that movement got fucking hijacked or Pride Month even came about was because cops kept fucking with gay uh, and trans black people in this club in New York. And they was like, nigga, fuck that. And then they started playing Nuck If You Buck and shit got shaken. Nuck If You Buck is 18 years old. Yeah. Bro, the great... I'm just thinking about that whole movement. White tea, all black tea, you know, all them songs right there. Yeah. It's a good era, bro. It's a good music that was that it was shitty music that was good. Now we got shitty music that's not good. <laughs> you know I, I mean? think it made us it made us do something, bro. You hear in the thing like it wasn't great instrumentation, not if you buck, no, or fuck them other niggas or what you gonna do. Like pretty much all of Crime Mob's first album was you could beat a nigga's ass to the lights. Come on, yeah. Like, yeah, bro, let's get into that, bro. Crunk music. We lived through it. Like, I didn't go to Major Woody's during the crunk music era. I knew better. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I think these songs in that era were were really big songs just to 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 raise the energy levels, right? Facts. Um, and crunk, that's all it was because we had so many slow jams. We had so many R and B artists oh, at that God. time. Yeah. 
just a ton of it. It was it was the balance to what music was. It was the balance. And even though it wasn't super mainstream and super popular, Nuck If You Buck and all the little John shit made it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it was it was it's tough when you got Usher and you got Chris Brown and you got all of these R&B all these R&B artists coming out making like classic bangers, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And then you got this crunk music. This whole Atlanta era just came out of nowhere and you know, on the on the strength and on, on the shoulders of Outkast and you know what I mean? Like just took over. And then you then you had Memphis come in. Yeah. You know? You have Memphis come out of nowhere, three six mafia, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they just it just it just raised energy levels. It was it was a perfect balance to what music was in that era. And um and yeah. I think that's 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 the reason why music right now um it, it has a perfect imbalance. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's doing the same shit. Nobody, you know, it, there's not a really good balance in in, in hip hop music right now. And I think that's what the problem with this era is there's no variety. Um, I think what it is with now the monetization, everybody wants that viral moment. Like even as a content creator, even if we're not actively trying to go viral, we're trying to go viral. Right. We're trying to say or do or take a picture of something, something to where it catches. And I think everybody's now actively searching for that 15 minutes of fame. And I think with crunk music, there was such, even in that time, like you want to say from like 2002 to like 2006, when like that, that time, we also had snap music too, but like crunk was just so different. Like damn by young bloods. Um, it was even like a production and you, and like little John did it the best. Yeah, I like, agree. You could like, and I think that's one of the things was like that's his sound, and you really cannot now. You also like at least with Atlanta now with DJ Paul, what he did with Memphis, different, still in the same vein, but like you know what DJ Paul be like. Right. Anyone trying to make a DJ Paul beat, then you're gonna look stupid. It's yeah. not gonna sound the same. It's like it's like you. It's like your girlfriend gets your mom's recipe on how she fries chicken, and it's good, but it's not how your mama makes it. Yeah, it makes sense. Of, like yeah. Jermaine Dupri wasn't doing crunk music. Like I remember Dipset had a song called Crunk Music. It was yeah. not, it was so watered down. It but was, it was still it, it still gave it still it, it didn't give the same energy, but it still gave some energy. Like, but I know get crunk music. Mm-hmm. Get I, drunk. I, you know what I think too in that time, and it was kind of weird, but Rick Ross's first album, I think. That was such a like when you first heard hustling. I remember where I was, I was at the Valley Day. There was a party. There was I think it was an icebreaker. I think it might have been the ODU icebreaker. And I heard it, and I was dancing with this girl, bro. I legit, literally got. I stopped dancing with him just because I wanted to fucking listen to the song because it sounded so fucking dope as shit. Yeah, I think you know Rick Ross is all Miami. Yeah, man, I, it's, it's just the South is taking over, dude. The South is just taking over, and every you got to think every time, like, and everything was moving so fast then too. Mm-hmm. So you you just name like three different states, you know what I mean? That it was doing crunk music, 
Yeah. Or four different states if you count New York, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was catching the wave quickly and making their own version of it. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, was, man. You're right. It, it was a different time, bro. It was a different time. Everybody was getting influence from somewhere and making it their own. And I think that's what we're missing, man. 100%. Well, maybe Drake did the little, you know, he did the house music. I... I like that album, dude. Yeah. Here's why. And I think I might have said this on another podcast, but just like on another podcast. So I think it's like for me being a huge fan of house music. Yeah. It's kind of like I get what they were trying to do. And the instrumentals, there's probably only like two songs that I don't fuck with. But everything else, the 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 instrument, the drums and the snares, and the melodies and the instruments that they use, I was like, all right, cool, I can fuck with this. I can really fuck with it, and it, yeah. and it goes back to um, the roots of house music. A lot of what people think house is is a lot of EDM, room. yeah, EDM. But house was supposed to be lounge music. Yeah, obviously now. You had Acid House, which was in Chicago and in, in techno in Detroit, but like th- it was also it was supposed to be smooth, danceable music. It got bigger with Swedish House Mafia and Trance and fucking Avicii and Alesso and all these other big artists in Europe and different and you have different regional houses like Italian house and French house, it sounds a lot like disco. Um, and and Daft Punk, and you have Dutch House, which is very crazy and stuff like that. But like in UK garage or garage and like drum and bass, like, but house when it started, it was very simple, danceable music. Um, there's this, uh, it's on YouTube. It's called Pump Up the Volume. And I watch it like once or twice. So I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow. And it goes through the history of house music. And uh-huh. my brother in Christ, for the first hour, it's all black faces. Yeah. It's all, and it was created by kids. They're 17, 18 years old. And they created this revolution in these DJs and like in it and how house music came from disco and everything. And it was really the black and 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 black LGBTQ people that kept disco going. And there was just a transition into what it became house. And listening to Drake's album, just like this has a lot of a lot of the the ingredients of what a classic house tra- house uh, a set of house tracks would would have. You got to think Drake's demographic is huge, but like his main demographic is is people that aren't probably understanding Facts. of that. You know what I mean? So like, it was different, and people made fun of it. But honestly, the way you mentioned house and the way you are bringing up the history, he actually paid homage to it. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I for me. I, I'm not super big in the house and I've never actually been super big in the house. Um, but I'd listen to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, before, before all this, like way back, you know, um, I don't know if you would call K Tronada like house, mm. but I, I rock with K Tronada. I've been rocking with K Tronada for a minute. I would say, um, what kind of got me into being able to be acceptable to listen to that music was Baltimore club music. I don't know if you ever heard Baltimore club. I have, I've heard of it, but, not yeah. really dabbled in too much of it. 
it's wild. It's like a it's like an East Coast version of um, New Orleans Bounce, right? Ah, okay. And then you got Jersey Club, which is similar to Baltimore Club, but it's a lot a lot faster. Jer- New then, Jersey Club is a lot like Chicago Juke. Yeah, but that's all house derivatives. It's it's all it's yeah it's all branches of house. So this is how I got into it by listening to these type of musics, and then. Uh, and then I slowly got into EDM and mm-hmm. it's just literally just being open to like one genre and just and and how similar all the genres are together, because all it is is bass, drums, vocals, you yeah. know, everything's the same. Music, music is very like music as an art form. It, you, you know, it, you might not like. Um, so the way the way that I look at music is, you know, and I, I, I know I've been talking shit about present day um, music, right? Um mm-hmm. But I would say this: music is an art form, and art is subjective, right? Right. So if you look at art, you can either not partake in that type of art. Like you might not like Picasso, you might like Basquiat, right? Mm-hmm. Or you might, you know, you Shouts might him. Yeah, you know. So like, whatever you like, you like. But that still doesn't take value away from the stuff just because you don't like it. Right. Somewhere, somebody likes it, and somebody's gonna add value to that um that that genre you know and and that type of music so when i see kids you know bumping their head nba young boy and and it's not something i would listen to personally mm-hmm. um i understand because that's 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 the type of art that they like to partake in you know so I, yeah i think too with art being subjective but you can also tell special and unique when you see it like i one of my favorite art like i don't listen to a lot of rb like, as far as, I don't listen to a specific artist a lot, but, like, I really like the weekend's music. Yeah. And someone was saying this, like, oh, because uh, I was telling my exes, because she's a huge Chris Brown fan. And I was like, Chris Brown, I was like, the weekend is the best R&B act of our generation, like, of the millennial and Gen Z. They haven't came up with anyone yet. Like, she's like, how can you say it? I was like, because there's a uniqueness. I was like, if you've listened to one Chris Brown album since the Rihanna situation, you've listened to all of them. You know what the formula is going to be. It's going to be some danceable stuff. It's going to be some really nice sex songs. And ironically, him talking gangster. Okay, yeah. cool. But like, that's it. You're not getting a, a, you're not getting like with music too, the visuals of it. The visuals of music help you appreciate the music more. Like, if you go from just the beginning of his career, and then you have one of my favorite, which when I really started taking him seriously as an artist, is Kissland. People don't talk about Kissland because they really, it was so far out there, and motherfuckers really just weren't ready for it in 2013. But the visuals between, for Kissland were so dope because he really leaned into, not, even, not just Japanese culture, Tokyo, Jap- Japan culture. Like, and the a, a weird cyberpunk feel about it. And then he just transitions. Like, every other R&B artist, they make the same fucking type of song. And not that I'm saying it's not bad. It's good. It's easily digestible. But that you're going to lose greatness. Like, no one's ever considered McDonald's great eating. It's convenient. It fills you up. It's good for a time. But, like, there's no experience with it. You know what I'm saying? I, I would argue that one of the best parts about R and B is the vocalism, mm. right? It takes very, it takes a lot of talent to be able to sing good, right? You know. Now you you mix that in with some creative writing, and then you have 
some R and B that makes it far from McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you got to, you know, all right, R&B is McDonald's to you, right? But then you have this gourmet burger shop that does some extra things to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Now now you're talking. Yo, we got Wagyu burgers. You know what I'm saying? And I have a couple of R&B artists that are my favorite. One is Ari Lennox. She sings crazy. I just ran across a girl named Kirby. Mm. Fire. Like, their vocals. Like, I saw Ari Lennox in concert, bro. And she did not, ha- you know how like you you play, they play the full song and you kind of lip sing or sing over it, mm-hmm. bro. She had live bands and she's singing behind her live band and her voice is amazing, bro. Nice. So and and that's kind of how I look at it. I look at it like this, like, dude, if you're gonna make mumble rap, make it creative. You know, mm-hmm. don't just don't just don't just make it feel like it's a freestyle. Right. If you're gonna make R and B. Make 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 a cliche, uh, uh, you know, do something that's going to separate you from the rest of the R and B and artists. And like you said, maybe Chris Brown is a is a has a cookie cutter approach to his albums, right? Mm-hmm. Break that cookie mold, man, and do something different. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like what Drake was trying to do, and kind of like what Beyonce was doing, right? Right. Just just and and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna separate you from the rest, and that's what's gonna make you feel like oh, all EDM music is the same. When you listen to machine machine drum. He has fucking crazy melodies that is not like any other EDM artist, right? Right. And that's his that's his niche. You know what I'm saying? That's what makes him machine drum, you mm-hmm. know? And then you look at K Trinata, he has his he makes you feel his music, you know what I mean? Right. And then you you know, like you said, you look at Swedish House, they got their own flow too. They got their own style. And this is what people people really like. This is why people really rock with EDM because even though it, it you know, it has a good feeling to you and it makes you feel a certain way, but you know, it, there's right ways to do things, and there's and there's you know, and it's just like yo, I, I'm just trying to break the mold and make some money. Like, you know, whatever you're doing, you, you do it for a reason, you know, and and that's just kind of how I look at music in a, in, a, in a in a sense is that yo, as long as you're able to make something different that makes you an artist and not just a rapper or a EDM, you know, a beat maker or whatever, you know, that's why Timberland, that's why Pharrell. That's why Paul, you know, um, that's why all these people that that have their own music are are popular because they have their own sound. Right. Manny Fresh, you know, and yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I, what you're Pimping saying, your own lane. It is, and I think one of the things that we appreciate is the risk taking. I think you have to be able to take the necessary risks in order for you to really have that legacy. Like Michael Jackson doing Beat It was such a risk. It's just like, oh, man, he made a hard rock uh, track that was danceable. All right, bet. But then, like, I think... I think uh, Here's why I feel Bad is a better album than Thriller. Because even though Thriller has great songs... I'm not gonna shade through at all. I'm not, and it's not. It's not a binary of trash and epic. But I think the risk that he took on bad makes for a more powerful album. Like it wasn't as danceable. Like there's nothing very danceable about Dirty Diana. If you listen to not even just the instrumentation, like this nigga made a hair metal song. He made a hair metal song better than a lot of other fucking hair metal artists at the peak of hair metal. 
but like the story he's telling like holy shit like oh man like damn diana picked up the phone and talked to his wife and at the end of it mike doesn't say that he left he just says that damn you fucked up shit but at the end, he still has sex with diana like niggas yeah. forget that shit like like wait a minute like what the fuck? Like hold on, Mike. Did you end up fucking her? Listen, man. This is about dirty Diana. Like no, 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 my nigga. Did you have sex with her? I mean, I had to. You know. Like what did you do when you went home? I dealt with that later. Like that shit's wild, bro. Like, you feel you... like Kid Cudi made a risk? I think Kid Cudi came in making risks. There is, and I have. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. I have a certain affinity for Kid Cudi, especially his first two albums, but his second one. Um, Mr. Rager, uh, yeah, that one that just me like, oh man, that's that's because I listened to that album at a time where I was just browsing going through it, I was going absolutely fucking through it. And Kid Cudi's music, when he, he just he was so open, he was so vulnerable in a time where rap still wasn't very vulnerable in 2007, 2008, like. Kid Cudi came out and then Kanye released fucking um, 808s and Heartbreaks. We never heard anything like that from any rapper, especially going from, nigga, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest rapper ever, I'm the greatest rapper ever. But then it's like, yo, I deal with depression. Like, yo, I'm afraid sometimes. Yo, I have demons. That's not something that we got a lot. Yeah. And so I think especially a certain subset of the gener- of our generation has a real affinity for Kid Cudi and what he did. How do you feel about it? I mean, I think I think Kid Cudi has a an amazing approach to music, mm-hmm. you know? And because it, he does what makes him feel good, you know? Um you know, I listen to songs like King Wizard mm-hmm. and Love I'm just one. That's it's one of my favorite songs for him, and I'm just like, man, this song is so great, but not a lot of people I can play in the car when they're, you know, when I'm driving, you know, right. Um, and it's just like, yo, you know, you you, I I kind of look at that, I look at that really like hardcore. It's like, yo, um, when I have people around me, what what type of music can I play? Because I listen to all types of genres, you know, I listen to baby metal, yeah, you know what I mean. So like, uh, they're not bad. I listen to them, like, okay, yeah, they're good, bro. Yeah, I like bro, it. yeah. If you can get in the get past the aesthetics of it, that's yeah. good metal. So, um, so like I listen, I listen to all different types of genres, and I listen to all different types of music, and I and I kind of, I kind of think about that. I'm like, why can't I listen to this against normal people? Is it is it is it me? No, man. It's just, dude. These people are making music the way they want to make music, and it's going to appeal who who it appeals to. It doesn't matter if it appeals to a vast majority. Or a vast minority, as long as they're doing what they want to do and the way they want to do it, and and are accomplishing the shit that they want to accomplish, all for them, you know, mm-hmm. all for them. And that's kind of how I look at Kid Cudi. I look at Kid Cudi as like, look, he makes great money, music. Obviously, a lot of people that in my demographic, people that I know that listen to certain types of music, aren't going to necessarily agree with it. Um, but you know, it, it it really doesn't matter to me, you know. Yeah, um, I kind of feel like it's important to just take music for what it is and what you what you appreciate from it. And, you know, even if it is a risk or it's not a risk, 
it could be that perfect risk, like like Michael Jackson's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Or or that perfect risk, like <laughs> the gorillas. You know what I mean? Love them. Uh, you know, so like you got to think, man. Like at the end of the day, no matter what people are doing and how people are approaching shit, um, uh, just you just got to realize, man, you might be able to open up somebody else's mind by playing that song in the car, even though you don't think they'll like it. You know. I feel the same way because I'm like, so there's this group, not a group, it's a guy. The band name is Daywave. And it's like, it's called Shoegaze Music. It's basically yeah. this really soft rock, but like kind of catchy, but not overbearing and everything else. And I remember listening to it with my dad going to Home Depot. He was like, this is what you like, huh? Because it's really peaceful. Like, if you listen to it, it reminds you of a sunny day going to the beach, ironically, or the mountains. Um, and and I was telling my dad, I was like, uh, I tell my dad, I was like, yeah, I've listened to so much loud, aggressive music that sometimes it's good to give your ears a break. Like I'm in the really ambient stuff, like stuff that I can listen to when I'm like smoking or just like in like wanting to go to sleep, like lo-fi. Not even not lo-fi. That's 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 like I still want some loudness <laughs> in it, but like a nice little. Uh, like yeah, it's like so I'll send you I'll send you a couple of songs that are my favorite. But like okay. when you get when you listen, it's like oh okay, this makes sense. This makes sense for what I'm talking about for and for who because you know me for who I am and what I'm talking about. It's like okay, this kind of fits for your 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 time in life. Like yeah. I love hard style, I love drum and bass, but I usually just listen to those when I'm at the gym when I'm doing something that requires a lot of energy. But when I'm studying. It'll be not even just lo-fi, but just like really soft music and stuff like that. And I think um, we've conditioned, as you get older, we've conditioned ourselves to kind of stay in this box. And I think that's kind of what happened with Drake. Like people expected a hip hop album or a rap album. And unless you come in the game being experimental like Bjork, like if Bjork just has an album full of just her singing, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's Bjork or Erica Badu. Okay, that's what they do. Like if uh, Andre three thousand just ha- releases an album where he's just rapping over acoustic guitar, I'm like okay, that's kind of what Dre does. But like, let fucking Jay Z have a song to where it's just niggas playing the flutes, not like Mask Off Future playing the flutes, or just like niggas playing the flute. You'd be like, what the fuck is Jay doing? Right. I think Jay played it really safe his whole career. I think he, he relied a lot on his commercial appeal and the fact that he's a really, really talented rapper and what he says holds a lot of weight. But yeah. beats-wise, the rapper, I think, that's taking the most chances. Uh, I can't... I don't know. I think he would have to be... Eminem. And here's why. Because he's never had a club song. Like all his club songs that he's had, like like Shake That, I fucking hate it. Shake that with him and Nate Dog, I hate that song. Um yeah. Smack That, I hate that song too. Uh Ass Like That was a fucking joke song. It was bomb though, man. Oh yeah, I love that song. I think it's like if you take that instrumental and give it to Jay-Z, it's a fucking hit. But because Eminem's just fucking joking on it, niggas don't really take it as seriously. But I think especially because so much ooh. But Uzi, he like someone. I'm trying to think of someone who came in the game 
off of being experimental. I mean, not off of not being experimental and then kind of just switching to something else. Futures always made trap records. T.I.'s always made trap records. Like, if T.I. made a dubstep album, I would fucking listen to it. Just for the, just like, okay, let's see what this nigga's got. I know he's not a rapper, but Thundercat, freaking crazy, yo. Yeah, but he, but he, him, his vibe is experimental. And I think, because when we think about rap, like, so much of rap is tied to the streets. It's tied to street, like, that machismo and shit like that. So it's like, no one wants to be considered soft. Even if you're not the most gangster rapper, like, I'm pretty sure Chance the Rapper getting called soft would fuck with him. I kind of want to say Andre 3000, man, is the uh, is the one, man. Yeah. I love Prototype. He, yeah, me too. Man. That's, one of, that's one of my favorite songs of his. But I think if uh, he doesn't release that with Dre's typical rap structure, it fucking bombs. Yeah. Bro, niggas weren't ready for Hey Y'all. No. We remember still, that song coming still, out. It still shook the galaxy, though. It did. It, but it was, and I think what, you know what sounds good sonically, and that that you're gonna ride with that. Like that's just yeah. a sonically well produced, well created song. But if, if I'm telling you, uh, if you t- you take Hey Ya off that off that album, and you just have them release that shit without the other, with like you just have the other shit, speaker box without the love below. Speaker box blows love below's doors off. You man, I was about to, I had it in my head. Um damn. I'm trying to think of who I was just thinking of, man. Anyways, we'll skip past it. Yeah, very good. I don't know yeah, music's one of six. So I like I said, I saw Top Gun. Good movie. Right. Better than the first one, in my opinion. Yeah, the first one was cheesy. I liked the first one, though. I liked it, but it was like watching it in 2022. Bro, I still watch it. It's like, uh, so I'll give you the kind of the backstory of of why. um, So my mom had a laser disc. Have you ever heard of a laser disc? Mm -hmm. So my mom had a laser disc, and some of the movies she had on there was The Fly, Top Gun, and the Goonies, those were like the three. And Crush Groove, she had Crush Groove on Laserdisc. Nice. She still, she still has it. I think she's gonna gift it to me whenever I take it. Um, and I would just watch Top Gun all, all, all the time. It's like, yo, once you get to a certain part of the movie, you gotta flip it over on the B side and finish the movie, right? Big vinyls that are CD play, like vinyl size CDs. Yeah. And um, so Top Gun was one of my top movies, but you know, growing back, it came out the year we were born, or I was born, eighty six. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, to watch that as a kid, pretty dope. My parents were in the Air Force. You know, it's 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 a kind of like a a big a connection to it. Yeah, why I like the movie. Um, so I, you know, knowing the movie in and out from watching it so much and knowing everything about it, and then watching the second movie, um, it hit a little. I actually cried in that movie, bro. It it it, it pulled on you. I cried. I literally cried in the movie theater the first time I watched. I went and saw it in the movies twice. Um. And uh, I cried because I had I knew the backstory, I understood it. The whole mm-hmm. goose thing was crazy. Yeah. Um, 
you know um it it was a phenomenal movie that the the air the fighting scenes mm-hmm. phenomenal dude yeah you couldn't you couldn't i don't know any other there was a movie called stealth i think jamie fox was in it freaking um stealth fighters crazy movie i think the last in the end of the movie still nothing compares bro nothing can compare i when i was watching it because i saw the trailer and i'm like yo why did they reveal excuse me, that miles teller was goose's son so early but doing that 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 made the story like i thought that they should have just left that as like a surprise you know what i'm saying but yeah. it's like that was such an integral part of the movie like it was dope seeing val kilmer yeah Bro, I you know you you're getting old as an actor when they kill you off, and it's right. like sad, but like yeah, that's gonna happen. Like I don't who that sucks. Like you go from being like the single person, then the parent, then the parent of a teen, then the like old person that's like the parent of an adult, and then you're playing like the one who's about to die. But like, hey man, don't cast me in that. I'm only sixty eight. Like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and and the shorty, uh, I forget her name. Um, the instructor. Yeah. In the movie, mm-hmm. she got so fat and old, bro. They had to re- recast her, you know. Yeah, we can't have her coming back. Yeah, <laughs> like sorry, lady. No, the funny thing is, I, I fucking put this on our Instagram. Like Jennifer Connelly is like the Vinnie Testaverde of love interest for Hollywood movies because she's <laughs> just in the movies. Like, bro, who the fuck keeps like she was in uh, what was the movie Eagle Eye? Yeah, and a bunch of other big action movies where she, I was like. She's cute, but like, bro, they're making her like blockbuster bait. Like, I can't think of any other actress that's just getting big movies off of doing so fucking little. But she's a good actress. I like, um, I think they recap, like, they had the one dude playing Iceman. They just had him playing a younger version of Iceman. Yeah, for real. His attitude. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and, and I think that's a good formula for a sequel, right? Yeah. You got to think about it like that. You have to recreate the vibe of the first movie. You know what I mean? I think I think they were on to something when they did that. Because I don't know too many sequels that do that. He was just so irredeemable. Like, if they didn't have him save their lives. If, the movies were not for, like, four weeks. There's no spoilers. But, like, if they didn't have him save um, Rooster and Maverick's life. It'd be like, why the fuck was this dickhead nigga in the movie? Right. You're right. No, I think I think it definitely created because you got to think, man. Um, you know, Rooster was definitely um, a stand-up guy. Yeah, I like that he was better than his dad. You know what I mean? Also, another because I hate to cut you up, but like, so in the movie or in the original movie Top Gun, Rooster's like four, right? Miles, and so if you're just having it to this year, Miles Teller's our age, bro. Right. So either that movie isn't based in 1986 or this nigga Rooster's damn near fucking 40. Right. I think the movie was based <laughs> in like 88. I don't think it's no, I think it was new shit. Uh, oh, 88. Okay. But I even think then, that's, that yeah. nigga, that's a tall two-year-old, my G. Like, this nigga's damn near 40 just going like, hey, man, I don't think there's a time for you to be a, a fighter pilot. Right. But I, I mean... I, Go ahead. My bad. No, I mean I, I get that, but yo, it still ha- it still was necessary. Forget the timeline. 
throw that away, man. Yeah. It was necessary to have him in the movie. You know what I mean? It was a good. Uh, I I enjoyed the visuals as. There's a lot of movies where I like the visuals more than like the acting and stuff like that. Yeah. Like one of the movies that I really loved um, visually was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay. Yeah. Very slow, very plotting movie, but the visual effects of it were just so fucking dope, dude. Right. Um, I would say Total Recall, the new one. That one was visually pleasing too. Very pleasing. Um, another one that's really good visually, but also very good, Parasite. Really? Yeah, it's a great movie. You never, you seen Parasite? I've never seen it. Dude, I don't like it. bug bug movies are weird. And it's not a bug movie. Oh. I super fucked up with not seeing it. Yeah, Parasite is a, is an Asian movie. I can't even tell you because like you got to figure oh, out Oh wait, why. I have seen it. I have seen it. I have yeah. seen it. I the Korean drama. Yeah. Yeah. Was the, the Parasite wasn't even about bugs. It was about the people being a parasite to that family. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that was a I had to watch it twice. Yeah. To kind of get what was going on. Cause you get caught up in the shooting style and like the cinematography and how they're filming it more so than the actual story. Yeah. Have you ever seen Demolition Man? Yeah. Bro, we're closer Three. to 2032 than we are to 1993 when it was made. Yeah. That's a good fucking movie, man. It's very apropos. Just like the work, like the censorship, and how they outlawed everything. Bro, how the fuck are you going to outlaw physical sex? And like, I mean, it's, you got to think about it, man. Like we we just talked about Rover's Wade. It's, yeah. it's going there. That is Terrence fucking. Oh my god, Clarence Thomas. I think Clarence Thomas is the worst Clarence, even more so than Papa Doc. <laughs> His real name's Clarence. Bro. No, hey, shouts to Anthony Mackie. He's like, I got to get other movie roles because I am not about to be this nigga. No, you're not. No, I need to be Falcon. Yo, he was Clarence. God damn. Bro, talk about it. Like, not even a, like a face turn. This dude played in more movies than freaking who yeah. was Matt, than Ice-T back in the day. <laughs> I see, bro. Ice T has made a nice little turn too because he's not like this nigga, bro. The fucking Congress wanted to throw this nigga away for cop killing. He spent more time as an actor playing a cop <laughs> than he probably has performed cop killing. Because think of it, he was in New Jack City as a cop. Yeah. And then he's been playing Finn Tutuola. Right, but shit, bro. I gotta get to bed. So I got. I hear you, Thank man. you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Oh, this was fire, bro. So <clears throat> I think I think we had some good content, man. We did. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Cast Therapy. You guys, take care, be safe, Dex. I'll at you, G. All right, man. Be safe. Peace.